Please join me as I speak with Dr. Michael Ellison, Associate Dean for Admissions at Chicago Medical School at the Rosalind Franklin University. Dr. Ellison will share his insights on what makes Chicago Medical School unique, how to wow its admissions committee, and what all this information means for you as an applicant. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Thanks for joining me for this, the 544th episode of Admission Straight Talk. I'd like to highlight for today's listeners a wonderful resource when you're invited to a medical school interview, and that is Accepted's free download, The Ultimate Guide to Medical School Interview Success. In the guide, you're going to learn how to prepare for your interviews, including those difficult questions, how to make sure your body language matches your intent, and what is proper follow-up after your interview. Grab your complimentary copy at accept.com slash 544 download. Again, that's accepted.com slash 544 download to enhance your chance of acceptance. Now let's move into today's interview with a focus on interprofessionalism. The Chicago Medical School is one of five graduate schools in healthcare at Rosalind Franklin University in Chicago. I'm delighted to have as a return guest on the Mission Straight Talk, Dr. Michael Ellison, Associate Dean for Admissions at Chicago Medical School. Dr. Ellison earned his doctorate in educational leadership from Roosevelt University of Chicago. He has worked in higher education and specifically in medical school admissions and administration for decades. Dr. Ellison, welcome to Admission Straight Talk. Thank you so much for joining me today. Linda, it's my pleasure to be with you again, and thank you for asking me to come back. My pleasure. Okay. Can you give us an overview of the Chicago Medical School program focusing on its more distinctive elements? Sure. I think uh, the university itself is really focused and dedicated on improving healthcare outcomes for the patients that our future providers will, will provide. And in doing so, interprofessionalism is really a strong tenant for the university and for the medical school and other programs as well. You mentioned about five colleges. Now we have a sixth college, which is the College of Nursing, that uh, have some entry-level programs for those who are seeking advanced degrees. And it is now an additional uh, tool in our toolkit to help with interprofessionalism. And so you will see, again, students from the medical school taking courses with students from other health science programs, whether it be podiatry, pharmacy, uh, physician assistant, path assistant, and then nursing. And so when I talk to students, they certainly talk about their level of excitement of sitting in a class with a, a classmate who is in a different program and kind of learning from them and how they will be looking at the patient that will be a little different from the way that the medical physician will be looking at the patient. And they feel that it's very helpful for them. We are certainly moving into a society that it is, we're more team-based and team-approached. And so I think incorporating that into our learning structure, our learning environment is most helpful for our students. And so We continue to work on this interprofessionalism. Our students also work in the STEM lab with students from other programs as well. 
So not only do they get to learn theory collaboratively, they also get to do practical kinds of uh, opportunities as well in terms of our simulation lab. Okay, great. Now, what's new since we last spoke in 2021? Hopefully the pandemic is in our rearview mirror, which was not the case then, but besides that. Well, you know, again, I just mentioned the the new College of Nursing that is on board. So that is something that is new. The medical school itself is, you know, always reinventing itself in terms of how we can better service our students. And so we've made a lot of changes in our student affairs staffing. Uh, We brought on additional staff to help advise our medical students through all four years of their medical school experience. You know, we have learning communities at Chicago Medical School for the medical students that begin their first year of med school, and they continue all the way throughout uh, through their fourth year, which gives them a smaller community to get to know, uh, because having 200 students in a class is pretty large, but, you know, having a smaller community that you really get to know well, we think is very helpful for for students and getting them to feel connected to one another and connected to the medical school and university at large. So those are probably the things that are the newest things that are happening on campus. Okay, great. Now, in terms of you know, what you want to see in in applicants is research on nice to have or really important for applicants when applying to Chicago Medical? So I think what we really want to see is individuals who truly have the motivation and desire to be a good physician. And that comes in a lot of different packages. So it may come in a package where a person has had Uh, a lot of experience with research. It may be an individual who has a lot of experience working in direct patient care. It could be someone who has been a community volunteer, an advocate, an individual who has done a lot with working with children or individuals from disadvantaged backgrounds or vulnerable populations. We're looking for candidates who truly want to do this, that they're not looking at medicine as a nine to five kind of job or career. They're looking at it in the sense of providing holistic medicine to the patient population they're serving, meaning that a physician has to also be resourceful in helping their patient with all the other needs that they may need, whether they need to see an optometrist or whether they need to see a social worker because they have some other challenges in their lives that may impact their their ability for better care. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint one particular skill or characteristic that we're looking for other than someone who is empathetic, want to be in the profession, willing to work long hours, willing to have good listening skills and compassionate and thoughtful and someone who is willing to be a lifelong learner. So those that's what we're looking for. Not much, just a few things. <laughs> well, okay. That that's an excellent answer. Thank you. I'm also wondering though, is clinical exposure or experience, I would assume that's critical to anybody considering going into a healthcare field. And in that very broad umbrella, is there any kind of clinical exposure that you prefer to see? And specifically, you know, how do you how do you look at shadowing or virtual shadowing? So when COVID hit us, you know, we had to all pivot and we were, unfortunately, many students were unable to 
actually get into uh, organizations to do any shadowing or community service or volunteerism. Now that uh, things are a little better, students have greater opportunities to get these experiences. We prefer that students have more of those clinical experiences that give them direct patient contact. You know, shadowing is nice. You kind of get to see what a, a physician or a health provider does. You may be able to ask them questions about their, their lifestyle uh, in those professions. But we really want someone to truly understand what is it going to be like to be a physician? What is it going to be like to work with people who are sick? We know that people, when they're sick, they're not always at their best. They don't always feel well to speak you know, to you in a very calm way. So you got to be able to understand that when people are ill or, or frightened or scared because they don't know what's going on with them, that they may not be the most pleasant people. So having had some experience whether it is working at a hospital or clinic, a nursing home facility for uh, individuals who may have mental health issues. It's just a way of really uh, helping the student to realize this is truly what I want to do and not invest four years in medical school and four years of medical school tuition to realize the time of graduation, this is not what I want to do. Right. Right. No, for sure. That was a great answer. Thank you. Does Chicago Medical screen before sending out secondaries? We're kind of jumping ahead now, but. No, thank you for the, the question. Uh, we do not. Uh, at this point, we send every student who completes an AMCAST application and indicate that they're interested in Chicago Medical School uh, secondary application. Okay. Well, there's no screening. What do you hope to learn from the secondary that you don't learn from the primary? Well, you know, the, the primary application provides a lot of information, but none of it is specific to the medical school that the applicant is applying to. And so we want to learn a little bit more about the applicant in terms of, you know, how do they see themselves fitting into our learning environment? You know, what do they plan to do between the, the application period and the time that they hope to matriculate to medical school? You know, what have they learned about themselves in the last two, three years of their educational experience? And then, you know, how have they overcome any hardships or challenges or unexpected things that may have happened in life? You know, one of the core competencies uh, that AAMC shares with students about what makes a good physician is adaptability and flexibility. So we want to see if you have been able to adapt and if you are flexible and if you are one of those individuals that realize that even as much as you plan, not every day will go as you plan. That's for sure. <laughs> That's for 100% sure. Okay. Are you concerned at all about use of chat GPT among applicants writing either the primary or secondary applications? You know, thank you for that question as well. I've certainly um, had conversations with other colleagues about it. Yeah. I only get nervous if people use the technology for the wrong reasons. I think technology is perfect when we use it for the right reasons. It's bad when bad actors are using it and do things that are detrimental to our work and to society. I'm hoping that students will be honest with their work, that they will truly write their own personal statements to tell their story. We have to, I guess, be on the honor system that people are going to do the right thing. 
It is certainly a characteristic of a future physician or current physician is that they're going to be truthful and honest and ethical. And certainly if you were using the chat GPT to write your personal statement in its entirety, then you're not being ethical because that's someone else's work. And so I would hope that, you know, maybe you will use it to maybe bounce a few ideas, but you really should write your statement that reflects your your story, your journey. And again, keeping in mind that a physician holds the highest seat of ethical behavior than most other professions, other than teachers as well, teachers and, 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 and healthcare providers. You know, we really count on you to be ethical and to do the right things. It's true. It's absolutely true. Now, Chicago Medical also uses the preview exam from AAMC. What does that exam add to your insight into the applicant? And I believe you switched from Casper. So second question is, what does preview offer that Casper doesn't offer? We did switch from Casper to the preview exam. We don't require the preview exam at this point. We're using it currently to, for research purposes, to see if it does add any value to uh, our assessment of the candidate. You know, the purpose of the preview exam, as well as CASPER, is to kind of help medical schools to determine the characteristics that a student may bring to the class in terms of their ability to problem solve, to work collaboratively, to be a team player, and those sorts of things, and to be ethical. So again, we're always looking at tools that will help us better identify those students, those candidates who will align more with our institution. So that's one of the reasons we switched to preview and we're using it again in a research capacity at this point in time to see if it gives us any additional data that would help us better select students who align with our mission, vision, and values. We moved a little bit away from Casper because Casper was truly initially designed for businesses and not necessarily for education. And we don't know if it gave us the data that we thought we needed to help make decisions on who would be a better aligned with our mission. So we're going to try you and we'll see what happens. Yeah, interesting. Okay, very interesting. Now, per the MSAR, Chicago Medical received a total of, I think, 11,382 applications. That was the previous year. That was the previous cycle. Okay. So this current cycle, we received nearly 10,000 applications. That's still a lot of applications. A lot of applications (laughs) for 200 seats. Right. And I assume you interviewed around 800 again? We interviewed a little less than 800 this past cycle. We interviewed about 750. Okay. How do you get from 10,000 to 750? It's hard work, Linda. <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> My hair, it turns grayer every day, every cycle. <laughs> you know, it is a very challenging uh, task for any of the medical schools out there. So it's not just difficult for Chicago Medical School. But, you know, again, we try to do a holistic approach to reviewing applicant files and trying to identify those applicants who truly align with the mission of Chicago Medical School. Our dean, uh, Dr. Chatterjee, always says that we are a community-based, community-engaged medical school. And that certainly our focus is to improve healthcare outcomes of the patient populations that we serve in the communities in which we work. 
And so we really try to identify those candidates out of that large number who truly have a desire to work in community-based uh, medicine, to uh, want to improve healthcare outcomes for vulnerable populations, who have an interest in giving back to communities that may be underserved or underinsured, for communities that may be rural, uh, small communities, even large communities. So we want to make sure that we're looking at students who truly have that interest. Because we are a community-based medical school, we're not connected to one single academic health system. Our students are going to get a, a wonderful education for from a variety of different healthcare settings. You know, we partner with about 28 different uh, hospitals and health systems. A lot. So our students will get a vast experience of working with these different patient populations, individuals who may be coming from very affluent communities to those who may be coming from very uh, economically deprived, depressed communities. So uh, they get to see everything and then are in a better position to choose what is it that they want to focus their careers on later uh, when they finish medical school. Okay, good. What advice do you have for applicants, especially those who come from underrepresented backgrounds in medicine, as they write their essays, given both your commitment to serving the underserved and a recent Supreme Court decision? Tell your story. Okay. Uh, tell the story of how, you know, your situation may have been impacted by your lived experiences. You know, you, you have to tell people more than that, you know, I'm African-American or I'm Latino. You get to tell how you were impacted by being from a community that historically has been disadvantaged. You know, students themselves, people themselves aren't disadvantaged. We just put labels on people many times that has no bearing on who they are and what they are capable of doing. But you have to tell your story. You know, you have to tell the story that will help the school, the admissions committee to understand your true motivation for wanting to be a physician, how you will contribute to, again, improving healthcare outcomes and providing better care to the patient population that you will serve. I would give them the advice is to work hard. I just met with a group of students earlier this week, and you know I'm really trying very hard to get students to realize that asking for help, seeking help is not a weakness, that's a strength. I think in our educational system, we have done such a disadvantage to our learners because we made them learn as independent people and not working collaboratively. Then we send you to college, and so now we want you to work collaboratively. We want you to work in teams and groups. And we find it difficult because someone isn't going to carry their weight or someone is more competitive than the next. And I don't want to share because you're going to be higher than I am or you're going to get a better grade than me. And that's not what medicine is all about. Medicine is about sharing and uh, working collaboratively. And so if I had to give students advice, I would say, you know, learn to work collaboratively. There's a lot of knowledge out here that people expect you to know. You can't always digest and learn everything that you might need to know by yourself. And so why not join in with other individuals who may have a, may be stronger in a topic area than you are, and you help them with areas that they may not be as strong in. So I would just say be collaborative, ask questions, ask for help, you know, talk to your professors uh, during office hours, 
participate in study groups, uh, whether they're single study groups or in the, or large study groups. Look at all the resources that may be available. But the, if you're going to look at resources, you got to be able to determine the resources that are really good resources from those that are not so good. So you got to put your critical thinking skills uh, in place that you're not looking at information that is not evidence-based. Right. One comment you made in, in responding to this question was that, you know, the person coming from an underrepresented background can't just say, you know, I had this hardship or I had that hardship. That person has to also say, what, how, how have you, how are you a different person as a result of that experience? How has it influenced your interest in medicine? I would add to that, that any experience you write about in your medical school's personal, um, not just personal type, but application, you should kind of bring it, like, why is it included? Why is it important for the medical school to know it? So I think it's excellent advice. I just want to kind of build on it a little bit because I think it's absolutely critical. It's not just a matter of checking boxes and I did this many hours of that and that many hours of that. It's like, so what? Absolutely. You know, the checkbox uh, phenomenon should end and we should be doing things because one, we genuinely want to do them yeah. and that we have a passion for the work that we're doing. And honestly, Linda, when you read an application from me and I'm sure many of my colleagues, you can feel the passion that applicants are bringing to their application just from their the way that they're describing their experiences. And it's always amazing to read an application when you can feel the passion and compassion that that person has mm -hmm. for the work that they've done. I just spoke with a candidate last week who has been working with uh, individuals who have ability issues and the person is nonverbal. And you could hear in her in her explanation and uh, about the work that she's doing, how she's excited about it and realizes that this is a population that we leave behind that that's hidden, who aren't given the opportunities to fully participate in life because of a, a life altering situation. And that, you know, we need to be more mindful of individuals who are in our community that may be different, but doesn't mean that they aren't capable of, of learning and loving and, and, and enjoying life. And so we- and contributing. We, absolutely. And so we can pick those things up and how a, an applicant writes that personal statement or includes that in their secondary application. And clearly, if the interview day, you get an opportunity to talk to a candidate and they start talking about their experiences and you see the excitement that come across their face when they start describing uh, the things that they've been engaged in, it's, it's, it's very powerful. Absolutely. Speaking of the interview day, what are you planning for the interview day for the upcoming application cycle? Well, we are one of the schools that do MMIs and okay. um, we still are looking, you know, to assess one's ability to communicate, to think quickly on your feet, to be able to problem solve, be able to see things from multiple vantage points and to be able to to share your thoughts about whatever the scenario or question is. Is the MMI online or is it in person? We do virtual interviews. And okay. so our interview day is about five hours, five or six hours. I can't remember. We start at nine in the morning, end at two. Two hour 
chunk of that is us doing MMIs for a group of 36 per day. And then uh, for the remainder of the day, they get a chance to chat with me and I get a chance to chat with the interviewees. Uh, we provide information about financial aid, talk about our student services, our student well-being programs. Uh, we have someone talk about the curriculum from first year through fourth year. So we get, you know, I tell students the interview day is, is twofold. Um, we're interviewing them, but they're also interviewing us because, again, you know, they have to have information to be able to decide if we're going to be a good fit for them and vice versa. Makes sense. Thank you. That was a great answer. Now, I always ask this question, and I'll tell you after you answer it why I ask it. What is the latest that someone can expect in an interview invitation from Chicago Medical? Yeah, our deadline date for um, you submitting, a student submitting their primary application is November 1st, followed by a December 1st deadline for their supplemental. Uh, we invite applicants as late as March to interview. So, you know, we hope that students are applying early in the cycle, but for yeah. the student who may have had some challenges getting their resources together or, or can getting enough people to write them letters of recommendation. We know that things happen that prevent people from always um, submitting an application at the beginning of the cycle. So, you know, if you complete an application by November 1st, you, there is still a possibility that you will could be invited for an interview. We are on rolling admissions. Okay. And I, I might've told you this last time and listeners have heard me say this many times. I asked this question, I'm asking it of every medical school admissions director I interview because there's this meme out there that if you don't have an interview invitation by Thanksgiving, you can forget it, you're rejected. And every admissions director says, that's not true. So I keep, I'm keeping the ask and uh, so someday hopefully the meme will go away. What is the common mistake you see applicants make during the application process? And in this case, I mean the written portion of the application. So typically on the secondary application, sometimes uh, individuals will cut and paste and they will leave information maybe about a different school that they're applying to <laughs> that's a part of the application that uh, for my school. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know it's not intentional, but it sends a signal that you aren't paying attention. And as a physician, details are very important. And so that's one mistake that I see. This year, I saw an applicant not complete two of the secondary essay questions. I'm not sure why. I think we made a, a call to see if it was just a technical glitch or something. But you should definitely complete the entire application or not submit it. Right, right. It was very nice that you, that you called. I mean, many, many schools would just have said, okay, forget it. And what is a common mistake that you see in the MMIs? on the interview day? You know, being a person of, of many years of experience, I see students have an enormous amount of anxiety and nervousness. And uh, we try our best to share with students that, you know, a little anxiety, a little nervousness is okay, but you have worked so very hard to get to this point of your journey to becoming a physician. You can't allow your nerves or anxiety to not let you perform at your best. And this is your time to, to chat. So it's not a time to you know be an introvert. People don't believe this, Linda, but I tell people all the time, I'm an introvert, but I can't do my job if I don't talk. 
<laughs> and so, uh, you know, my friends laugh at this too, but it's true. I would prefer to just sit in the back of the room and be quiet and observe. But if you're interviewing, you can't sit in the back of the room. You can't observe because someone is assessing, one, your ability to communicate. And if you don't talk, they can't assess because, you know, that's a big part of assessing one's communication. And then another part of that is your nonverbal communication. You know, are, are you giving good eye contact? Are you, you know, smiling or frowning? Or, you know, are you distracted by something else that's going on? So I would say that's probably the biggest thing I see on MMI day or interview days is students are just so anxious, so nervous that they don't always convey their best selves. And, you know, we talked to our interviewers, uh, particularly, you know, we, our first interview day was this Tuesday. And we said to all of the interviewers, you know, be mindful that this may be the first interview day for many of the candidates. Many of them will be nervous and we have to help them feel comfortable to be able to be their authentic selves. And uh, we certainly try to make that happen. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, it's very understanding. And again, I guess if you want to have uh, empathetic, compassionate people in your program, pace where you'd also be empathic and compassionate, and that's definitely the attitude you're conveying. Absolutely. So, Along those lines, it is now September. This interview will probably air in early October. And the Chicago Medical School application, as you just said, the primary is due by November 1st, and I think the secondary by December 1st. If applicants submit now, between between now and those deadlines, or between whenever this, the, the application, the interview airs and, and your deadlines, do they still have a chance? Are their chances distinctly lower than if they had applied in June or July? I would probably say, I think you have a better chance of applying early in the cycle. I would certainly encourage students to apply early in the cycle. But again, we know that because of life, everyone is not always able to do that. Right. I do think that individuals who apply later will still have a chance. Now, whether they'll have a greater chance, I don't know. Because personally, I think at the beginning of the cycle, members of the admissions committee are fresh. You know, they're looking at applications for the first time. They've had the summer to kind of take a break. And then, you know, as the season progresses, you can, you have read a number of applications. And so now people may be a little bit more, they may be looking for a little bit more than they did at the beginning of the cycle. I, I You know, um, because again, we can only invite so many people. And at some point you have to say no to a lot of candidates who are, are truly well-prepared and will make great physicians. Roughly but I 9, think they have a greater chance earlier in the cycle. Right. I sometimes still tell people who ask me about applying late in the cycle, well, if you don't apply, you have zero chance of acceptance. If you wait, you would start medical school a year later. So it depends how much you value some chance of acceptance earlier over a lesser, less chance of rejections. It's just a, a personal, it's a very personal decision, basically. Yeah, and, um, and we, we, we just don't know. Right. It's kind of like the lottery. You play it in hopes of winning, and sometimes you win, and sometimes you don't. Right, right. I think the odds are a little bit better for, for acceptance to medical school than winning the lottery. I would, agree. I, would, I would agree with you, but you know, I know, it's, I know, it's I get a the gamble. Metaphor. Yeah, yeah. 
And if you applied late and you didn't get it in, then you're a reapplicant. Do you have any advice for reapplicants to Chicago Medical? Yeah, you know, I tell students, uh, I meet with students who may have been unsuccessful in the applicant application year that they applied initially. Sometimes it's just timing. Other times it could be little things that you need to strengthen in your application. Maybe, you know, you didn't demonstrate enough experiences with healthcare, or you didn't have enough hours in community service or, or, or evidence working with other, with individuals, you know, who need help. It could be that your test scores may have just been on the cusp and, you know, one more score higher would just push you over. It could be that you needed grades from your last semester to really improve your GPA. So it may be a, a combination of things. Um, again, because all the medical schools, I, you know, I can't, I won't speak for my colleagues, but, you know, we we all get more applications than we have seats for. And uh, clearly there are going to be individuals who I said, as I said before, are well qualified to go to med school, but just for whatever reason, didn't get, make the cut that year. Mm-hmm. And I have counseled and worked with many students who have been reapplicants who got in the second year. Of course. Um, and some may have applied a third year and they got in. So again, it just really depends on on you and your motivation for wanting to do this uh, and your stick to I think if you are going to be a reapplicant, I think you really need to look at your application and make sure that you are changing your application to show the, the different things that you've done since the last time that you applied to medical school as well. Sounds good. And on a forward-looking note, what advice would you give to med school applicants thinking ahead and planning to apply summer 2024 or even summer 2025? I would say that to the, the applicants is to slow down, enjoy the process, make sure that when you do apply that you have all of the pieces in place that you need to make you a competitive applicant. So that, you know, you've completed your prerequisites, you prepared to take the MCAT exam, you got the score that you think you need to have on the MCAT, you have the GPA, you have the experiences that you feel people are going to be looking for, and that you are mentally ready to go to medical school. And uh, not to compare yourself to your peers or your classmates, because everyone's journey to medicine looks different. And I think a lot of times students are disappointed because they're looking at their classmate who may have been accepted, you know, early and they haven't gotten even the first invitation to interview. Well, that's that person's journey. That's not your journey. And, you know, I've been trying to share with students that when it's your time, it will happen if you do all of the work. you got to do the work now. And so for some candidates coming directly out of college is not their journey to get them to med school. Uh, We've had students who've had maybe four years, gap years, before they applied to come to med school. And recently, there have been individuals who have had a career, and now it's their time, and they've applied, interviewed, and have been accepted. So my advice would be is work as hard as you can, do all the things that are necessary for you to be a good applicant, 
truly know that this is what you want to do and then just follow your passion and don't assess yourself by your father, your mother, your brother, your sister. Do it because this is you and this is your journey. Or the people on Reddit or Student Doctor Network. Well, that yes. was a fantastic answer. Thank yeah. you. That was a fantastic answer. Dr. Barry Rothman, who used to be head of Cal State's uh, San Francisco's postback programs. I think he founded several of those programs and is currently an accepted consultant. He frequently says the fastest way to medical school is slowly. Absolutely. And I think, uh, but I, I loved your answer. Uh, what would you have liked me to ask you? You know, I, I, I thought of been thinking, you know, what advice would you give me as a dean of admissions on on this process? Gosh, that's a, <laughs> I, you should have sent me that ahead of time. I would have thought about it. <laughs> what would I give, advice would I give you? Um, I love the understanding and the compassionate approach that you're taking to, to the process. At the same time, you know, I, I think that the students have to understand that they are entering a difficult, demanding, incredibly rewarding profession, if it's the one they choose not for everybody, obviously. I, I don't think I would like it too much, actually. Um, and I, as you have said, they have to want it, but I think they have to understand that there are going to be some real standards that they're going to have to meet. You know, uh, compassion and empathy is, is wonderful, but, you know, I don't care <laughs> about that if I'm sick. I want somebody who's going to make me better and is going to have the skills to perhaps do surgery and do it well so that I survive the surgery um, and come out better than I was before without too much pain, preferably. So I think that that would be, you know, kind of one one thing that I would say, but I, I wish you would have given me some chance to think about it. I'll think about it. I'll email you if I think of something, okay? <laughs> well, when, as you were giving your response, the one yeah. word that came to me is excellence. Yeah. Yes. Is yeah. that you, you really need to be excellent in everything that you do. Right, right. And it and it includes the science. It includes the interpersonal. Absolutely. Yes. There have been some family situations where one family member is facing some major surgery next week, you know, and then some chronic stuff. And I'm thinking about the different medical people that I've interacted with or this family member has told me about the person she's interacting with. It makes such an enormous difference. Yes, you want the skill, you want the scientific knowledge, you want the all all the technical stuff, but it is all but the inner human, you know, human human interaction, the compassion, as you said, the empathy, that also is super important when you're sick. We at one point had a, a young child who was very sick. And um I remember the the nurses, I mean, they were battle hardened. <laughs> You try and get it, you know, you have to get, you know, stick kids, poke kids. They're, they're tough, but they also had to deal with parents that were under enormous, enormous stress. And, you know, sometimes they'd be, they'd be yelling at them or something, And but they were basically nice, decent people, just people under enormous, enormous stress. There was one really lovely couple and there, a, a, a leak sprung in their child's room, like from the ceiling above. The kid was immunocompromised. And and ill. I mean, he did he did okay. He did fine. He survived. He, he recovered. But they got really upset. 
And otherwise you meet them. They were the most lovely people. They were just Absolutely. stressed. Absolutely. And I think that's what I think students have to understand, as you indicated, that people's personalities change when they're under stress. And it's our role or their role to kind of keep that in mind and to stay even tempered and to say, you know, treat the patient like you would want someone to treat your love. Exactly, one. exactly, exactly. Yes. And many times I've interviewed medical school admissions directors and they've said when we're interviewing a medical school applicant, we're thinking, would we want you treating our mother, father, sister, child, spouse, whatever it is? So I think that, again, it's it's a combination. I want somebody treating me or my relative who's definitely got the technical skills but also is a decent human being and whom I can talk Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah. I so, anyways, that was an interesting response to my question. I've never had that response. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> I think we're almost out of time. And I want to thank you so much for joining me and sharing your enormous expertise and experience and wisdom because you really have shared a lot. I'm not going to ask you about the URL for Chicago Medical School because it's really long, but we're going to include it at accepted.com slash 544. So again, thank you very much for coming. It's been my pleasure, Linda, and thank you very much. And I wish you a very productive academic year. Thank you so much. Thank you listeners also for joining me for this wonderful interview with Dr. Ellison. We'll include links in the show notes at accept.com slash 544 to the Chicago Medical School website, as well as to other resources that may be helpful to you, including... The Ultimate Guide to Medical School Interview Success, which you can download from accepted.com slash 544 download, or again from accepted.com slash 544. This is Mission Straight Talk produced by Accepted, and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week. 